our time together this uh, this morning in reading your word, that you would um, prepare our hearts for it, and we'd all glean something from it. Um, each and every one of us apply it to our lives, and um, that we would hear you this morning, and not me. And um, we just ask for your blessing on those that uh, can't be here with us today for sickness or traveling, and just be with those. Um, and we pray for the situation of our country, Lord, and, and the world around us, that uh, you continue to work in people's lives to draw them to you, and that you would use us in any way uh, to bring glory in your name to yourself. And we ask these things in your son's precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Second Timothy, chapter 2. Uh, I missed out on the first chapter, but Daryl invited me again to kind of uh, go through the book of Timothy, Second Timothy, with him, and so um, we'll be revisiting chapter two again today, as we did a few weeks ago. And um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to fill this whole time block. I say that, and then you know, I'll find myself looking at the time and it disappearing. But either way, I think you won't be upset, right? I'm the only thing between you and food, so. <laughs> uh, but we'll see what the Lord has for us this morning, and if it ends early, it ends early. Um, but at first I'd like to just read through chapter 2 again, so it never hurts to get re-familiarized uh, from the Holman standard here. So starting in uh, verse 1 of Second Timothy chapter 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also might obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hemenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and are re- ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but those also those of wood and clay some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who called on the Lord from a pure heart, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes. 
because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Uh, it is believed that Paul wrote um, 13 or 14 of the epistles, right? And uh, it, many think that this is probably his last letter to Timothy here. Um, Paul says that he, you know, he had wanted to be with Timothy in person, and I think that's important um, as much as possible. In the time of COVID, we know that there, you know, it was hard sometimes to get away from our house to the point of even, uh, you know, rules and regulations. Um, but I know a lot of people out there that, you know, whether they're, they're believers or not, you know, a lot of people said, hey, that was a hard time to, to stay away from family and friends, to refrain from gatherings that we normally had, right? So being physically together is, a, is an important thing. Uh, Paul, I think, saw that too. He, he, he yearned to be with Timothy in person. He said that about other saints as well, right? He wanted to physically be with people, right? You can't really replace that. There's something about being in person. And so, you know, here we are today. We're having fellowship, uh, not only, you know, between the meetings and you know, we fellowship during the meeting and then we even sometimes stay afterwards and eat. But there's something special about being with each other, having a presence with each other so that we can really be more perceptive of what each other's needs are and minister to, to each other. So Paul here starts with saying, uh, my son, right? He's, he's very affectionate toward Timothy. Uh, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I think this was mentioned um, before, not just by Daryl, but somebody else, I think, was talking about how grace and mercy aren't necessarily words that we would use to describe um, masculine or strength-bearing things, you know? I mean, you think grace, you know, that there's that saying, nice guys finish last, you know? Like, that's not a... You know, having grace, you know, show no mercy for your enemy will not show you, you know, any, you know, it's like that kind of thought, you know, grace is for the weak, mercy is for the the meek. You know, but what does Christ say about the meek? Well, they will inherit the earth, right? So again, it's that opposite thinking of man. Um, obviously, there's a time to be um, assertive. There's a time to be uh, for judgment to happen on earth, Right. Uh, depending on your position and what it might be, but but grace and mercy is, are important, extremely important um, characteristics of what a Christian must be. And uh, if we if we don't if you don't value that, then uh, you know it's hard to say whether or not you've experienced it. Right? Like we have grace and mercy from our Lord Jesus. It's why we pass it on. It's how we know love. Right? That's what we learn in First John. How do we even know love but through the Lord Jesus, right? We know love, and we love him because he first loved us. And it was kind of cool and neat um, when uh, the new group commander, um, or wing commander, rather, on base, uh, he took over, and, you know, they give their little speech, a little lengthy, it was like an hour and a half, uh, talking about himself, and, you know, but I mean, the intent was good. It was, hey, learn a little something about me as your leader, your new boss, right? And he's, he's pretty high up the chain. He's not somebody I would see on a regular basis. Um, but Colonel McGee, uh, he laid out, you know, his his likes and dislikes, but he also laid out some expectations, and it was interesting to see that one of the things he 
he kind of um, really honed in on was grace and mercy. He said, you know, grace and mercy is something I want to see. You know, we, we uh, and, and he shared that he, uh, he kind of alluded to having a Christian faith. He said it was something important to him, right? And it was very politically correct in the way he said it. You know, hey, this is my faith. You have yours. I have mine. But it was nice. It was encouraging to kind of see that, right? He talked a little bit about God and the importance of God in his life. Uh, and he said grace and mercy are important leadership traits. You know, I, I extend that to, to, to each of you, and I hope you will extend it down. Right. Know that. And he said, you know, know that when it comes to these things here is not what I mean. Right. There's certain things you have to understand, you young airmen, you know, all of you. If you go out and do these things, if you get drunk and you drive and you hit a family, I, you know, your mercy only extends so far. You're, you're going to find yourself in prison the first time you're going to jail, you know, and you're going to you're going to lose rank. And, and you know, there's going to be you're going to get a trial, but there's going to be certain things that are happen if you do X, Y and Z. But at the same time, this should not be an organization, if you will, that we cannot mess up. Right? I expect you all to make, to, to take chances and to make decisions, you know, educated, hopefully intelligent decisions. But if you mess up, it shouldn't be, you know, you, you shouldn't feel like you're, you're going to be punished for every little thing. You know, you should be allowed to make mistakes. You know, so, and that was the, kind of the context he was saying, right? And so it was, it was just refreshing to see, you know, grace and mercy being characteristics that are looked at as being valuable and, um, you know, part of good leadership qualities, right? And so this is much more than that, right? What Paul's talking about, I mean, is spiritual grace and mercy, you know, and Paul, we know, experienced that uh, it was so dear to him, right? You think of the road to Damascus, right? The mercy and grace that, that Paul experienced, um, lavished on him, and and now it's so evident in his life um, as he's passing it on to to uh, Timothy. Uh, he says, uh, "What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach also." Um, see, two things about this statement: one is that this is discipleship in in practice, right? Paul is reaching out to Timothy. Um, he already has discipled Timothy. And he's telling him to do the same. Continue it on, right? Uh, commit your these things I've told you before in previous conversations, in person and in letters, and the things I'm committing to you now in this letter. You know, commit the things of God to to you know take them and give them, pass them down, right? Like you know, first off, find faithful men, people you trust, people who are qualified, right? He talks about qualifications uh, or character uh, character. Ristics in the in previous Timothy, uh, his previous letter, right? You talk about overseers and and bishops, right? And he talks about the structure of the church. But he's saying take these people and and teach them, disciple them, and trust these things to them, so that they may continue with that, that they may able to teach others also. And this came up this week. I kind of the other side of it too is, is that just that quick phrase commit to faithful men um, not only committing you know not only discipling you know a succession if you will of that kind of all right, I'm giving this to you you give it to somebody else but understand that it's mutual you know it, most likely it's going to be a mutually benefit beneficial relationship for if with one man is to um, commit himself to another man in discipleship 
it's rarely something that's just, you know, oh, I'm, you know, you're going to learn from me and somebody else is going to learn from you. No, we learn from each other, right? Despite age and, and maturity levels, we, we can be uh, mutually um, benefiting from each other's spiritual um, personalities, if you will. And there's a young man that just this week, uh, I was sad to see him go, he, he left the base. Um, we hadn't been meeting very long, but we've been meeting about once a week. His wife and um, Sarah were meeting in the evenings, so we would have a morning meeting, and then Sarah and his wife would meet, you know, in the evenings, and just go over some, you know, some Bible verses, have a time of prayer, and it was just nice to, to, to meet with somebody who's a believer um, on base, and it was quick, you know, we, we live right next, next to each other, and see, again, face-to-face, see somebody, right? And he was very encouraging. He reached out to me to do that, you know, and so that was really encouraging for me. And he said, hey, I, you know, I hope you continue, right? I'm going to continue on with this. Um, but it's always good, you know, he, he kind of charged me that. Remember, it's always good to have somebody by your side in this, you know, especially in the military. You know, every, everywhere you've been, you know, or you, you've worked or, um, you know, where, wherever you find yourself spending time, you know, in college or wherever. There's people that are lost and it's good to minister to them. Um, and, and not that those people can't even add value to your life, but it's a hard place to be in this world. You know, we're constantly um, bombarded with discouraging things. So it's good to find somebody's encouraging. Also know that this is not just a male thing, right? Like, I mean, obviously, Paul's a man speaking to a young man. And discipleship, you know, it's easy to think the disciples of Christ were men. But women, too, you know, should be shepherding and discipling and mentoring other women. You know what I mean? You should start at first in your own home. You have a responsibility to your home. But then, you know, you have responsibility to the assembly, the, the local church. All right, so we should be, we should have these, this discipleship should be something we're all seeking after. Uh, Daryl talked uh, quite a bit about um, kind of the verse three and the thought of, of being a good soldier, right? He talked about uh, the Navy and the military, right? And and so to kind of just brush quickly over that, essentially, um, the, the idea is that, that Paul kind of lays out different examples between the the military side, the the um, Olympics or, you know, the athletic side of, hey, you know, when you are even a, and even a farmer, it's like you have to understand, you know, you guys should understand these things. You know, just like uh, somebody in the military has a purpose, right? And they have to kind of, sometimes I must admit, you have to kind of remember what your purpose is. Because even in your job, you can get kind of horse blinders on and think, this is what I'm doing. I had a conversation with myself, and then I passed it along to others, that sometimes I got discouraged because I felt like I would get told to do things that weren't consistent with what I believed my job was, Right? They weren't bad things. It just felt like, hey, like you put me in in, shop, in charge of this shop, you know, and we do maintenance and we do these things, right? And then you come around and you tell me, well, instead I need you to, you know, do these these chores. And they don't seem consistent with the job, right? So I have my leadership coming down to me and saying, hey, do these things. And they're not, you know, I'm like, that's not my job. You know, I didn't get trained for that. But what I have to remember is in the military, when you back up to the contract, you wide, you know, you kind of, you kind of step back, and you realize the job is I will defend the orders of the, you know, I will, I will obey the orders of the officers appointed over me, right? And that's what they say. And so I sometimes I'm thinking, well, I'm the, I'm the non-commissioned officer in charge of the missile handling team, 
So I got to do missile handling team things as a non you know uh, non commissioned officer, and that's true. But if the officers tomorrow say no, you're not anymore. You're over here. You're, they can tell me to sweep bays. You know, they can say you, you know no, you're just me. You're going to sweep. You're going to make the same amount of money. They can't take away pay or rank. You know, without following their guidelines. But unless it's an unlawful order, they can tell me tomorrow I scrub toilets, and 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 that's what I am, right? Because I'm not. I'm temporarily on one thing, but when I step back at the end of the day, I just listen to them. So again, unless unless it's an unlawful thing, they have the right. And, and, and remembering that and being reminded of that was kind of eye opening, right? It, it made it a less hard, it made it less difficult for me to do my job because I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm getting paid. You know, I'm doing what I'm told to do. It's not immoral or, or even you know demoralizing. It, it is frustrating when. I think I'm going in to know what I'm doing and then I get told to do something else or I feel under-equipped. But we all, we all, when you back up and look at the big picture, what is it that we're really there for? Because it's easy to think I'm here for this when in reality, that's not the whole picture. And in our spiritual life, that can happen too, right? We can think this is what the Lord wants for me. And maybe it is. And then six years down the road, ten years down the road, the Lord's kind of maybe moving you somewhere else. But you think this whole time, no, this is where I need to be, or this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, this is my stage of life. And God's saying, no, it's time to move on. There's something else. You know what I mean? This, your life's purpose isn't this thing. You know, whatever it is, planting this church, or being an elder over here, or being a missionary, right? God closes doors. And you would think, well, I mean, what's more important than being, you know, a missionary in Russia? You know, why, why, you know this is what God wants from me. Well, he might be saying... Good job. Time to move on. You know? And 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 that's what you have to be open. You're not you're not a missionary. You're God's child. You know what I mean? Yeah, who who happens to be a missionary today, but might not be tomorrow, right? We have to be open to what the Lord wants for us. Um, and so I think that's that's part of understanding is that it, Paul says when you're a soldier, you you know, you do soldier things. Right. Um, some Bibles say recruiter. Uh, this one says, you know, the the officer, right, the commanding officer. But you know, the the point is, is that soldiers work for the the, the military, right? A farmer, you know, reaps the harvest. And uh, you know, if you're at the Olympics or you're an athlete, you got to follow the rules. You know, you have to compete in a way. You know, there's a set standard and understanding to how you operate in those things. But remember who you work for. You know, and for us, you know, we work for the Lord, and we will benefit in that, just like the farmers get from the the crops. You know, it, it's to our own benefit, right? Even though it might not be, our benefit is not physical things necessarily, um, but something much greater, and that is godliness, right? Timothy again, or Paul says that in Timothy, godliness, right? Profitable unto all things. So we have a promise of things that are to come, and of the life that now is. Additionally, um, before I move on, just thinking, the committing to faithful men, and uh, remember, iron sharpens iron, right? We read that in Proverbs, so just remember that as we walk this life, this Christian life, we, you know, we need to have a Timothy, and we need to have a Paul in there. Um, again, it's not just men to men, but we need to have um, accountability and a sharpening, you know, that the whole idea of just, uh, we, we become dull in this world as you're hacking against the, the wood, Per se, you need to be sharpened, right? So we are sharpened through God's word, um, and in our in our alone time, 
um, which uh, Phil reminded us a few weeks ago, right, about right that alone time with the Lord, um, committing ourselves to to just being just yielding ourselves to Christ and what He has for us daily, um, but also in yielding ourselves to others, so that you know we can be ministered to. You know, people see things that we often don't see. You know, we, we get stuck in our own ways, and sometimes we need that voice of reason of somebody who's willing to hold us accountable, right? So we got to remember that. Verse 8 says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, and ascended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I just think it's encouraging whenever and we see it, um, whenever you see it, take it in, right? Men and women who commit uh, the gospel to their hearts and their actions and 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 they you know and they and they embody it like Paul says this is my gospel I like that term like this is this is my good news to you that I have experienced and I believe wholly right it is has been lived out in me and again thinking back to the road to Damascus right the conversion of Saul to Paul and his life right he experienced you know shipwreck itself you know and 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 um, imprisonment. This is probably near the end of his life, or getting close to it, right? And so, again, you know, you know, he's speaking from experience when he's saying this is important to me, and he's passing it on to Timothy, and he's hoping that Timothy, having seen it already in Timothy, and having seen it somewhat in his mother as well, you know, and, and in family members before, but that reality of the gospel working in his life, and that he will continue with that. And to continue to disciple others, right? And of course, this message is for us to, you know, put in here into the, the scriptures for us to read even today. Um, and he suffered for it, right? It's not it's not easy. It's so easy, and we take it for granted in this country to, uh, while there is some persecution that can happen for naming the name of Christ, um, it's certainly not popular. Um, but I, I get reminded um, occasionally through Facebook, Voice of the Martyrs, there's a magazine, a physical magazine, I think it's still out there, right? And I think of uh, particular places like North Korea and communist countries where, you know, you, you were literally persecuted for your faith. And Josh shared recently, you know, that was, I mean, I was in tears sitting in here Wednesday night a little bit of, of just uh, overwhelming emotion of thinking about people in this country, in Israel, um, and just uh, his, you know, these friends that he made and, and, and the danger that they're in, um, you know, that they have to sneak around a little bit and, and, and kind of be um, discreet. And I think, you know, man, I all the times I've complained about things in this country and yet I, I don't know what it's like to suffer like that, Right. And do I have that boldness that I would, you know, be able to, you know what I mean? Would, would I be able to live that way and, and uh, be bold for Christ and, and stand up for what I believe in? You know, that's a hard thing to, to think of. And of course, you don't know until you're tried, and God can give you that grace and mercy to get through that. Um, but it's a good reminder to, to, 
to kind of, again, step back and look at the world as a whole. Look at the world as a whole and say, okay, get out of my you know, little town in North Dakota and out of my little Air Force life and my family and think about what's going on out there and what, you know, what's gone in, in the past, going on in the past, you know, as we look through scriptures and history and, and what can be happening in the future. We know the Bible talks about it and we're going to get into it in the next chapter eventually, right? About the falling away and where the world's going and, and just know that times are coming where we're going to be tried. And we only, you know, have the responsibility to deal with what comes our way. We don't know necessarily what that'll be in, in our lifetime. And in, in our area of life where God has us, but but it's a it's a sobering thought, and it humbles me. I know to hear about people that are being persecuted, persecuted physically and emotionally throughout the world um, for these things. But it's a real testing fire that proves that that precious gold, if you will, of faith. And um, so it's something that I think that every now and then we should be reminded about as we read about these. One, we should be praying as if we're in bonds with them. The Scripture says those that are suffering for the gospel. You know, we should remember them in prayer um, and seek to minister when we can. And also know that, that at any moment, you know, we can plunge into a world that's, uh, that's, not, that's completely hostile to the, to the gospel. Um, it is already in different ways, but I mean, it could become literally physical of taking away of your Bible to, to uh, restricting prayer in your own home, right? So um, we're thankful. Uh, we should be thankful for the freedoms we have and enjoy it and use it for the glory of God. The word of God is not bound. He says it cannot be bound. Uh, he goes on to say, "If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will die, also deny us. We are faithless." He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I was a little confused the first time I read this. I think, and because uh, I, at first I thought it was, you know, it says you know, if we deny him, he will deny us. But then if we are faithless, he remains faithful. You know, I think what, based on the commentary, you got to rephrase it, slow it down. You know, what it's saying is that you know if we deny Christ, ultimately, you know, like we read elsewhere. Um, you know, many will say, Lord, Lord, you know, did I not do this in your name? You know, depart from me, I never knew you. You know, you you don't know me, I don't know you, right? It's, it's not the words we want to hear. Um, so, you know, obviously, don't deny Christ. Um, but uh, if we don't believe that to be the case, it doesn't matter. Jesus, like, will not deny himself. What is true is true. What his standards are, they stand. Um you know, when it comes to um, atheists, if you will, you know, I, I've had a few conversations, some, it's been a while, but, you know, what, what the reality is whether you believe in God or not, if he's real, and I believe he is, you you know, your belief of him has no effect on the reality, right? Our, you know, our beliefs of the world, and the worldview and, and religion or how things come into creation, it's just our opinion and thoughts on what the reality of the situation is. And the reality is, is that Jesus Christ is the creator and there is a heaven and hell. And ultimately there is one way, one truth, one life, and that is Jesus himself. And if you deny that, it doesn't change anything about the reality of it. It only changes your destination and your relationship with the one who created it. So you need to be aware of that, that you deny him, it's done. 
There, you cannot stand before the Father and say, I found another way. Why do I let you in? Not that he necessarily phrases it that way, right? But, I, I, you know, well, Jesus was almost enough for me alone, but I did these extra things too. That's not something I think you could say. I wouldn't want to say that to the Father. Oh, I'm glad to know Jesus was only was paid 99% of the way to heaven for you. Would have been nice to know that for a sacrifice on the cross and to know, he, oh, there were other ways too? Oh, I guess I didn't need to do that, huh? No, he's not going to say that. He's going to say, I don't know you. If we were faithless also to other people, we, we fight, you know, we, we fall short. Christ never falls short. That's another promise, right? You can see in this, this verse, verse 13, right? Our, our willingness to, to, uh, follow through, our ability to stick to things, um, spiritual or not, does not affect Christ's ability to do so. That is not to say that, um, if we partake in sin or the flesh, that um, there aren't consequences for those things, even on earth, right? There's just kind of natural consequences that go with sin. And God tells us these things. Hey, you know, you shouldn't do these things, and this will follow typically, right? But, um, but, it, but it does mean that, that if we lose hope or faith, God's um, ability to redeem us does not lessen either, right? Remind them of these things, verse 14. Charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Um, I'm sure I've talked about this before. We've read some verses from one of my first messages about words. And uh, one of the things we said was about idle babblings, as some um, translations say. Um, Vain babblings or idle words. And, And the point is, is this, is that um, between what he says here and then later on in the chapter and elsewhere in the letters to Timothy, uh, I think this is an important thing. One, it's an imperative for those of us, especially that come up here, if you will, right, and stand up here and give messages from the word. It's important that we're careful in not um, falling into the trap of things that become useless, right? Uh, even things that are just useless they're not necessarily harmful at first, but they be, they, Paul's saying they can become harmful. And so within the context of what he's saying in his time is there were certain things that were, one, purely deceitful or wrong and error doctrine-wise. And he mentions that a little bit, right? Okay, so in the time of Jesus, you had the Sadducees, I believe it were, who did not believe in the resurrection. They just didn't believe in the resurrection, and therefore I believe they didn't believe in an afterlife at all, right? And that's obviously wrong and contrary to what the scripture says. Um, here he talks and mentions two by name that were saying the resurrection already happened, right? But as we've reminded ourselves even recently in, in the last couple of weeks, I think something's been brought up in the messages about the importance of the resurrection of Christ and what it means for us as believers, right? The hope we have. And the Bible says elsewhere that, you know, without the resurrection of Christ, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. What's the point? You know, what do we look forward to? If Jesus isn't raised, then we're not raised with him, right? And so Paul goes on to talk about the importance of the resurrection, and he mentions these two by name that are spreading lies that it's already happened. But what does Paul say? He says, uh, we will also be risen in verse 11. Verse 11 says, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. We will also reign with him, right? 
So it's, it's a looking forward to a future thing. Right? We'll read elsewhere. Again, those who are alive and remain will be caught up with him in the air. Those who are dead in Christ will rise first. Right? This is, this is a bare, like, basic doctrine of Christianity that we will rise again. That spiritually we are already reawakened with Christ, right? The, the, the baptism kind of symbolizes that dying to self and, and being reborn with Christ, right? And Christ physically left earth. After being dead, he left the grave, right? All of that's extremely important to the gospel as a whole. And so, obviously, that was an issue Paul dealt with. But there were other topics in his time uh, amongst the different churches that were cultural, and some of it, some of it doctrine, and some of it maybe more trivial. You know, it, 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 and I'm not here to delineate between what's trivial and what's doctrine. I think you know, that's an obvious doctrinal foundational thing that you have to address. But there were trivial things too about eating and drinking and, and, and cultural things that were Hebrew versus Gentile and maybe even more subculture, just certain areas, right? And those things had to be addressed too in certain ways, but they could get blown out of proportion, right? And people could focus in and hone in on little things and that and preaching about, you know, this is important and that's important. And we can do that today, right? And it, if you've been around a while, if you and if you visit other assemblies or even within this one, you're going to encounter that. It's just natural, right? You're going to have people come up here and say things that maybe don't line up with scriptures, maybe are more of a personal opinion, or maybe they maybe they even do line up with scripture, but the message can come across as is causing dissension, uh, causing issues amongst the the brethren um, and the people here in the assembly. And that, that's just something that, that Paul's warning about, but I personally have seen it in the assemblies. I've personally seen it um, even in our home church in Norfolk, um, and without getting into too much detail, uh, it's caused major issues. And without being, again, too specific, I'm talking about literally words, like what word we call a day. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Like what word we call a holiday has gone to the point of people who have been in an assembly for 30 plus years in fellowship to leave and other people to be there in tears. People flipping over chairs and meetings because of, of, of the anger, because of words. But don't think for a second that none of us here can do it or, or maybe even have. I have not seen that here in two years, I can say. But it, it's something that we can do. And I will tell you, me personally, I love words. I love details I can't, I can't finish a chapter of a book. Sarah can read 140 books a year, and it takes, I've read, you know, 14 books in my life, right? Because I can't, you know, call it ADD, call it what you will, but I focus in on things, and I see the details, and I say, oh, this leads to this, this, right? And, and it's, it can be a good thing, you know? I, I really dive into things, right? But Sarah, she's able to read this and just kind of see the whole story for what it is and close it, and that's... You know what I mean? Who cares if his name's John or Mike or whatever, right? But she gets the story. But like, you know, and, and, but for me, it's all about the details. And I and I and I I get frustrated with my mom because when she tells a story, she's like me. And when she tells a story, every little detail's got to line up, you know. And so, you know, what I mean, she just wants to tell me this. What probably took place in ten minutes takes you know thirty five, forty minutes to tell me how it went down. You know, but you get. I mean, it's a good story. You get every detail right, and it's the same way every time. So. And that's all good and fun, but the reality is that it, when it comes to words, 
it can be very easily turned into something that's about us, about me, about, you know what I mean, about me boasting on what I know. And anytime there's a new study that comes out, right, you have scientists who are supposed to be open and, um, uh, what's the word, unbiased, right? But even the discovery of something new puts... It, it, it kind of puts something behind you that makes you want to study it, right? Like, what if I come to the scriptures and and I come to the same conclusion Daryl does? Well, I mean, that's boring. I want to, you know, what I mean, I want to, I want to say something, you know, what I mean, like, oh, I've got to every if every Sunday I come in and I get the same message that you know it's I preach the same Christ that we preached last week, you know what I mean? Well, Jesus is the same, you know, that's good. Now, if you're we should also be finding new things. Don't get me wrong. That There should be a newness in, in, in the way we go about things. Don't get me wrong. But there is sometimes, I think, a, a pressure behind ourselves and our selfishness to find something that's different. You know what I mean? And, and so if that's what drives it, and only you will know, most likely. I mean, other people can be perceptive and think, hey, I think that's your pride there. But if, if we don't... Look for that in ourselves. It can be. It can become about us, right? We're trying to find a new truth that even may be true, but we're trying to push it so that you know I could be the one to say it. And, I, and we see that inside us. They're like, "Hey, turns out spinach isn't good for you." You know what I mean? And it's like, what you mean? I mean, twenty twenty two. Now you're going to tell me spinach isn't good? And then you know you, you just want to be the one out of ten that said spinach isn't good for you. You know, that you just want it to sound relevant, you know, because you did the same study in, in college as everybody else, and you want to be the first one to say it's it's actually not that good for you. That's what everybody said. You know, you're just being different. You know, it's okay to come to the same conclusion everybody before that spinach is actually good for you, you know. But that doesn't mean we can't look at things with a new lens and think maybe we did get this wrong. That's okay, too. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that our intentions um, when we come here and preach should be about the edification of the believers, which may include pushing on things that we know we struggle with. It doesn't mean there might not be some uncomfortableness or opposition, if you will, but it has to be from the scriptures. And I think Paul's warning about that. Look at this. We actually went all the way up to time. So, um, I think there's a lot more there about the vain words. But I'm, I mean, literally, I read this, and I'm telling you, people argue about words. I can give you examples. Sarah and I argue about the color green. I don't know if I've shared this before, right? You know, what's green and what's blue? You know, and we're seeing the same hue, right? We're looking at the same, and unless she has chromatic or I have some kind of chromatic abnormality, we're seeing the same color, if you will, right? But when something's closer to green or something's closer to blue, right, I just deem it as one or the other. I'm like, that's that's blue enough for me that it's in my blue list. And for her, she's she gets upset. She's like, no, that, that, that's too green to be blue. Or, or, or you know what I mean? It's, it's, so that's 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 a green. We're both seeing the same thing. We see the reality of it, just what we call it's different, right? And sometimes, sometimes, that's literally what it is. And you'll see people argue over things. But they're like, that's all it is. You just have to sit them both down and say, listen, you know, like, like you see, you see the same thing over here. That's the same thing. And if you want to, and you're both technically wrong, because if we, you know, open up an encyclopedia here, there's a more specific color for that. A more, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's seafoam green. You know, and then they're like, ah, oh, see, it is a good type of green, you know, but, but like there's, sometimes people just don't Google things. You know, it's, it's just like, like Google it and be over with. You know, you're arguing over, I've argued over the Dak rat situation. Is it a prairie dog? Is it, you know, is it a Dakota rat? But then you, 
you back up and you look and you're like, oh, like, sometimes when it comes to what you call animals, there's common names and there's scientific names, you know? Like, how specific do you want to get? You could both be right. It's okay, you know? That can happen even over things within the scriptures sometimes, right? Some people, you know, you can be saying two things and they could both kind of be right. And then you both are probably wrong in some ways too. And there's big complex doctrines where honestly, and I'm just throwing this out there, there's probably truth on both sides, right? I know men, you know, intelligent and convicted and uh, saved brothers and sisters who believe on the sovereignty of God one way, and then I know men and women uh, who believe in the sovereignty of God in another way. I believe they're both saved, but I don't know the mystery in between. I don't know where my responsibilities and my decisions stop and God takes over. I don't know. You know, I, I think it's an interesting topic. I know people have some strong opinions. Um, and I'm not saying that, that that can even be shared from the pulpit, but it is, we've got to be careful on how we do it because we can quickly become a, sharing things in a way that, that can be um, just trivial, too. Um, so um, I think that, and that's not just for, you know, up here, that's in our everyday language on how we share with each other. Um, and, and we don't want to confuse outsiders as well, those who are you know, not believers, and you approach them on the street somehow, and the gospel comes up, and then you start throwing all these extra things at them, right? So, um, but we all should be seeking the truth in, in the word, and we can all help each other get there. Um, just be careful not to, one, stray into doctrine that is purely wrong, right? You back up everything with the scripture, and look throughout the scriptures. Find people who you trust, who are knowledgeable and wise, and, um, and consider these things. Pray and take your time with them. Um, and also just re-examine yourself. Why, what am I really trying to get? Am I trying to get my own truth out of this to make myself feel good? Am I trying to look my, make myself look good? Or am I trying to you know, just learn more about Christ and, and, how, and what he would have for me in my life? A lot of what... what uh, Paul encountered here with uh, or what he was hinting at here was just about just aligning yourself properly with scriptures and avoiding avoiding false doctrine and um, again you know his concern that that he's already seen a falling away and error in the in the local assemblies and he like even to the point of naming a couple who are, are causing issues right um, but we can look throughout scriptures and see these things happening in other in other um, groups of believers and non-believers alike, religions out there, people just throwing out their own errors and not correcting them. And then um, he goes on, and two more things is just that he talks about the vessels, right? Just quickly briefing over that, when it comes to vessels of honor and dishonor, I just I can't help but think of Pharaoh and Moses, right? It tells us in Romans, it talks a little bit about vessels of honor and dishonor, and it talks about Moses, or I'm sorry, Pharaoh, right? And he it says he was a he was a vessel of dishonor, right? That's not what we want. So just think about it that way. You know, it's simple. Like you don't you don't want to be remembered in the story of Moses and Pharaoh, you want to be Moses. Not that he was perfect. But he was mentioned this morning in a good way, as I recall, right? Moses, that's who you want to be like. Not Pharaoh. So purify yourself. It says purify yourself. Put away the dishonorable things so that you are a vessel of honor. 
right? And, you know, there's things in the household, pots and pans and things that are used for not good things. Toilets, you know, those are not a vessel of honor. You know, they have their use, but it's not something I don't remember as a toilet, right? We remember as a crock pot. You know, that puts out something we want to smell, right? So that's something, that's a vessel of honor to me in the kitchen world, all right? And then lastly, flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those things who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Or reject foolish and ignorant disputes, again, because you know that they breed quarrels. Not we, The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing even his opponents with gentleness. So again, we need to flee youthful lusts, uh, passions, and pursue righteousness. One thing a brother shared with me many years ago, and I always remember it, it says, the Bible says to resist the devil, put on the whole armor of God, and resist the devil and his wiles. Well, what does it say about lusts? Run away. I always thought that was interesting, right? Because the idea is that you can resist the devil, and not that the devil doesn't use lust, use lust, but he's like, but don't forget that Joseph ran away naked, right, when he was when he was tempted uh, with Potiphar's wife, right? He, he ran out of there. He didn't say, you know, he didn't put on the full armor of God and say, well, I'm going to stand here, right? When you see youthful lust, just run away. Don't think, oh, I'm, I'm mature enough, just run away, right? And that, that's the problem. Obviously, it goes beyond just the um, immorality type of lusts. Uh, you know, it, anything, the passions of youth can even be the pride of life and other things as well, right? Um, but I, I do think of that, and I think of those words shared by that brother years ago. Just run away from it, right? Proverbs even says, don't go down her lane. You know where she lives. Don't go down there. Foolish men go down that way. They walk by and think, just walking by, you know, just window shopping. And then they, she, what does she do? She snatches them up. They're gone. And, and she takes their soul with them, essentially, right? That's kind of the, you know, the way uh, Solomon talks about that. And he would know. So, um, yeah, lots of great things from Paul to, to his disciple, if you will, Timothy. And, um, Hopefully we got a little more out of it again today. Uh, we're just looking over those things. Again, nothing groundbreaking. We've seen it all before. Um, but I think it's a good reminder of the word uh, to just uh, remember your intentions, right? I talked to my guys this week, uh, this past week, about a couple of them. You know, they're dealing with some inner issues of people arguing and feeling, you know, kind of disrespected and, you know, I was like, I, I want you, you know, I, I, it makes me sad to hear that, right? I, you, you guys should want each other to succeed. And I understand, like, people get personalities in, you know, a certain way, and they get irritated. You see the same person 10 hours a day. Um, and so everybody's got their own story and version, right? But, but like, I hope, my hope is that everybody comes in here and they want the other person to succeed, right? We should want other people to be happy, and it's natural that eventually those people get on your list, and you're like, I don't, I don't care, and I felt that way. Like I don't, I don't want them to succeed. I want to look over and watch them fall, right? Because they've hurt me, okay. or they're not good people. They've hurt, they hurt my friends. But that's not the way we should be, right? We we should want people to succeed. You know, as believers, we want other people to come to Christ, and he even says that perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. In verse 25, right? That's what we want for people. And even in a practical way, I'm talking to these guys in the Air Force, I want you to, to want your your buddy over here to succeed. I want you to want him to get better at his job and to be accepted in your group of friends here. 
I'm not saying you can make all that happen. I'm not putting that on you. But at least if it starts with that, then hopefully your behavior toward that person will be more respectful and dignified and helpful for them. And then hopefully they do the same, right? Um, we'll see if that happens. But um, we need that for each other, right? We should we should start with our, our own hearts. We should want what's what Christ wants for us and for others all at all times. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for your word. Again, this morning, I ask that you would help us to apply it, that you would work in our lives so that we would put you first and um, that you would um, help us to take uh, the mind of Christ, may it be in us also, like the song says, and um, that we would look to um, uplift him and his truth over our own, um, that we would be receptive to his truth at all times, and um, to be gentle to others as well and to each other. And we know that we need his grace and mercy at all times in our life. We thank you for it, and we ask the blessing on the rest of our time together. Um, In his precious name, amen.